Welcome to Solar Sailing with Trevor Light, and tonight I'm going to talk about autopilots. I believe an autopilot or a wind vane, or both, preferably both, essential tool that all solo sailors, short-handed sailors and cruising sailors needs and should have and should know how to use and should have as part of a redundant system. What do I mean by autopilot or windbone? I think if you are sailing a coastal vessel you can get away with autopilot or a backup autopilot. Could be a wheel pilot, could be a tiller pilot and you could have a, a basic windbone. It's fine, you know, like one layer of redundancy is enough. Spare parts, if you've got something like a tiller pilot or a wheel pilot, some basic spares, a spare belt would be enough to, uh, to get you out of trouble because you can always order parts in. If you're a cruising sailor and you're going to be travelling between islands, different countries, extended passages, anywhere where you're going to be sailing for more than a few days, you need to have a different mindset. In this day and age, I see a lot of sailors moving away from wind vanes, moving towards electronic autopilots, and there's nothing wrong with that, providing you have redundancy in your system. By redundancy, I mean you have a backup autopilot or a additional backup autopilot, and you have spare parts for the autopilot. So what I'm seeing a lot these days is that people have one autopilot, that autopilot is completely integrated into their system of systems that they have on the boat. They've got Raymarine, they've got Garmin, they've got BG, they've got some other system where their autopilot is part of the integration of systems with their radar and their, their chart plotter and their sonars, their AAS. Everything is dependent on one head unit, maybe one computer, and that is a failure point for your boat. So if you're a, a solo sailor, that's too big a failure point in my opinion. If you're a shorthanded sailor, you've got yourself and your wife, or yourself and one other, that's also too big a failure point. If something goes wrong with your primary system, it might not be the autopilot that fails, it might be the head unit. You might get hit by lightning. You might blow a fuse and not be able to find that fuse. If you haven't put the system in and you know how it works, you don't have the manuals. It could very well be the autopilot actuator. So what I'm seeing more and more on cruising boats is linear drives are failing because they're not built to the rigours of ocean cruising for extended periods of time. So typically electronic autopilots come as either a linear drive, a chain drive, a hydraulic drive, and there's a couple other different styles, but they're all based on an electronic unit with a either an electrically driven motor or a hydraulic driven motor that's typically driven by an electric pump. Becoming more regular to see boats that have had a failure and have had to hand steer and don't have a backup because their linear drive has failed. It's just not built to the conditions and more and more they don't have a spare part, a spare parts on board or a spare linear drive. The other thing I'm seeing is people having a problem where they've overburdened their autopilot system and it's blown a fuse. They'll sail another thousand miles or 500 miles to get into port and find out they blew a fuse because they didn't know how to fix it or they didn't have a spare unit on board. And in many cases, the, the systems they've put into their boats are not built rigorously enough to deal with the demands of ocean cruising or, or significant storms in ocean cruising. Sailing for weeks on end, you know, your autopilot 
is essential. If that's what you've got, it has to be able to sail for weeks on end, 24 hours a day, with no rest, to get you from one place to the next, because you're relying on this piece of infrastructure. It is essential to your operations as a solo or short-handed sailor. I believe you you can have an integrated system. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of the new systems are fantastic. You need a backup, and that could be a completely independent backup electronic system onto your quadrant or onto a tiller pilot. Sorry, onto an emergency tiller. It uh, could be connected to your wheel. You know, there's um, wheel pilots. There's a couple of different brands from different companies. And generally, they're not built for heavy ocean cruising. They're generally built to 20 to 30 foot boats for coastal cruising, but they can still get you out of trouble. And I, I carry one on my own boat as a backup unit. It's not built for the rigors of ocean cruising, but it's my backup unit or one of my backup units. You need to have some form of redundancy or you need to carry enough spares. You need to know how to do the fault, fault, fault finding on your system to make it work if it fails. And this is where we come to wind vanes. So there's a lot of talk about going away from wind vanes and people that they don't necessarily suit modern boats. A lot of new boats, production boats, have a wind platform on the back or a canoe stern, which is you know, cut away. It's it's a great place to sit and have a few drinks. It's a good place where you have your dinghies and your davit comes up in there. It's not necessarily convenient for a wind vane to be operating there. So people are, are starting to go away from wind vanes. But the beauty of a wind vane is it's all mechanical. You can add electronic controls to it. In its simplest form, it is just a mechanical device. These things have been operating since the 50s, maybe before that. Aries in the UK was one of the first companies, over-engineered, very, very simple. They operate off power of the wind, and once they're set and you're on course, they will just continue to operate day and night, 24-7, without any power, without any input from humans. If you're following the same course, so you need to change course, and then it's just simply adjusting it with a couple of pulls of a cord to adjust your course. So if your main system fails, your wind vane will work. But often, when you're sailing in the open ocean, you're sailing a course, you're steering the same course for 500 to 1,000 miles, you set your wind vane, and you can just start following the course. If the wind's consistent, you may not need to make many adjustments at all. Typically you will, you know, the wind increases, the wind decreases, the wind completely drops off and you have to start the engine and then you, you're back on the electronic autopilot because wind vanes don't like no wind situation. Most of them like a, a decent breeze or a, a heavy breeze, strong breeze, to operate more efficiently. And they do. Once it's blowing hard, your wind vane w- tends to work be- better or more efficiently. With my wind vane, I also have an electronic pilot which I connect to the wind vane in light conditions because the wind vane doesn't take a lot of input from the wind to steer the boat. So by hooking up a small tiller pilot to my wind vane, I can be using half an amp versus you know five to 10 amps for my main system. So I'm saving power. It's still steering a you know, tremendously accurate course. It's just using less power. And it, it also is another layer of redundancy. So one of the things that as a cruising sailor, short-handed sailor, solo sailor, understanding your redundant systems within your autopilot or how you're going to steer your boat. You, know, you, you can't rely on one system. You have to have a backup. You have to have spare parts. You need to be able to fault find. It's okay to pay someone to install the system, but you need to be able to fault find that system. You need to know where the fuses are. You need to be able to fault find to find out if a fuse is 
failed, if it's been overloaded. You need to be able to fault find so that you can work out if the electronic actuator, which steers your quadrant, or part of your steering system to steer your quadrant, has failed. Generally you can work that out because they start making horrible noises. And this is where when you're building the system, or you're, if you get at a point where you're going to build a system for ocean sailing, it's good to think about this now and maybe build a heavier system, find the heaviest system you can that is not going to be working that hard on your boat and it has redundancy built in. So I, there are some systems where they're using, working in opposite directions to achieve the same course. You know, they're still using one head unit, um, but you've got two actuators, so they, they're working half as hard. There's a level of redundancy straight away. Or you over-engineer and over-spec your actuator. You know, my boat has a system which could, small, which could steer a small ship. It is a heavily built, chain-driven motor. It's 50 years old. The head unit is only 12 months old, but the motor is 50 years old. It's been serviced, it works perfectly, it doesn't work that hard, it never even gets hot, and it steers my boat and anything up to 40, 50 knots, quite comfortably, although it pulls anywhere between 5 and 10 amps, so it's a bit heavy on power. And then, you know, I have a wheel pilot for lighter conditions or as a backup, and then I have a tiller pilot, which I can hook up to an emergency rudder if I need to. I can also hook that tiller pilot to my wind vane, which is an old Aries wind vane, which came with the boat. So my wind vane is about 50 years old also. It wasn't the original one I had on the boat. The first one I had, I destroyed. I went and bought another one, and I found this one was second hand. It was after the parts, to be honest. It had been under a shed 15 years. Previous to that, it had been used on a boat for 20 years. So I bought it for spare parts, gave it a clean, realised it was in better condition than the one I had, and put it into service. So here's this 50-year-old wind vane that's been sitting under a shed for 15 years, which is now steering my boat for hundreds, in fact thousands of miles, it's just recently done 3,000 nautical miles, and w works as, as efficiently as the day it was built. As a solo sailor, a short-handed sailor, I like the redundancy of having a wind vane. I like the fact that it doesn't use any power, and it's very, very simple. It takes a little bit of uh, knowledge to, to get it operating correctly and you know you've got to tweak it a bit once you understand it it's quite good mine doesn't work so well downwind but in any other um, course it's it's fine and that's where I tend downwind I tend to use my electronic autopilot it works perfectly downwind and then I have my backup systems and I have spare parts for all of my systems if something goes wrong but more importantly I know how to fault find all of my systems if something goes wrong and that's where I'm seeing more people have problems they don't know how to fault find their systems in some cases it's as simple as a fuse you know they've got a couple of days out of, out of port they're sailing to a new country you know it could be 500 to a thousand nautical miles their autopilot gets overloaded because it's been running now for you know, a couple of days straight they get a decent blow comes in overloaded fuse blows and they don't know how to fault find it so now they're hand steering as a short-handed crew or a small crew for you know, up to a week until they get to the next location. And there's nothing wrong with hand steering. You know, it keeps, keeps the crew busy, everybody's mind active. If it's unnecessary, then you know, that's just a failure by the, by the skipper to, to manage his boat efficiently. There's no need to hand steer on a boat when you've got an autopilot system. I don't like hand steering. I, I don't mind it coming into port. 
or through um, dangerous situations. But any other time, my boat is being steered by either a mechanical or electronic system. I'm sitting there reading a book or listening to a podcast, having a brew, enjoying the view, have no desire to steer the boat. I guess what I'm trying to put across is, in my belief, solo sailors need to understand, implement autopilots as part of a redundant system. The key takeaway, I think, is just making sure that you build a system that has redundancy in it, you have spare parts, you know how to use it, can fix it in any situation. Thanks for joining me, say something, and we'll see you out there.